0: rachel what are you doing i'm recording my lessons from lost podcast who are you talking to this week i'm talking to sarah she lost her baby daughter in a road traffic collision and out of that tragic loss has rediscovered her love of and the benefits of being outdoors facing her fear of height up a mountain was a pivotal moment in her journey through grief The silver lining through every cloud and the porcupine well i'll perhaps have to ask sarah if she'll keep a lookout for it when she's out in the wilds more Hello, before we start this episode, I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their stories with me and you, the listener, and also to acknowledge the impact that hearing these stories has how they relate to our own experiences and beliefs about the world around us. So do please take care of yourself when you listen. And now for the episode. Hello and welcome. I'm Rachel Smith, and this is the Lessons from Loss podcast, in which we share our stories and experiences of loss, and more importantly, what we learn from them. In this episode, I'm talking with Sarah, who tragically lost her 13-month-old baby daughter Frankie in a road traffic collision nine years ago. Out of her grief has emerged a woman who is not afraid to take on new and scary challenges, as we'll find out. Welcome, Sarah.
1: Thank you, Rachel. It's really lovely to talk to you.
0: Oh, lovely to have you here. And, and thank you for agreeing and, and coming to and talk about this, because it's a <clears throat> must be a, a difficult and challenging topic to talk about. So to start off with, crikey, I can't begin to imagine how it must have been for you. Um, Losing anybody is is really tough, but uh, a child and one so young um, must be heartbreaking. How did you? I don't, what was going on for you at the time? How did Gosh. how did things emerge? So, um, if I go back to it was
1: in actually September two thousand and twelve, and I'm just approaching the anniversary actually. So, it's oh quite goodness, yes. So I had that, people talk about how awful it must be to have that knock on the door when a police officer comes to knock on your door and give you that news. And uh, yeah, I had that knock on the door. Um, I can honestly say I don't remember the whole conversation. Um, I just remember walking down the, the hallway in my house and... Um, the police officer saying to me that there'd been a road traffic collision and um, then it's all very sketchy and the next part that I remember is I had a downstairs toilet and bizarrely I can remember kneeling on my toilet floor and I was holding up I could just focus in on one finger and I was trying to say but she's only one. And obviously they told me that there'd been a road traffic collision. And I think the words they used were the the baby had died. And I just could not comprehend how this could possibly have happened. And it was the, she's just, she's only one. She's only one. How, How could she have died? I just couldn't process that. And it was almost like, um, an out-of-body experience um as though I was kind of looking down on me and the police officer sitting in front of me because it just wasn't it wasn't real obviously now I know that it was the trauma and it was the Mm. shock that that, that made me feel that way um but that was the initial um the initial first thoughts I, I I just can't comprehend this 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 couldn't possibly be real this doesn't happen it's outside of the natural order of life isn't it
0: yes of course yes so how did the first few sort of months and you know weeks and and months i don't know
1: really i have a sketchy memory it's it's almost as though i can say that i felt as though i floated through that time I didn't feel as though I was present. I didn't feel as though I was there. I know that um, uh, the police officers took me to the hospital and they were incredibly, um, incredibly good. They were so supportive. Um, I know that they um, sent for my children to be brought to the hospital, for for none of them to to be told what had happened until they got to the hospital. Um, I can remember going into the hospital i being very frightened. Um, I didn't know, you know. Obviously, if somebody's told you someone's died in a road traffic collision, you you don't know what to expect. Mm. And I had a wonderful nurse at the hospital meet me. Her name was Stacey, and I kept in touch with her actually for quite some time afterwards. And she talked me through that whole process. She talked me through where Frankie was, and you know, I would be able to hold her. She talked about um, she told me about her injuries and she said she just looks like she was sleeping and and she was right i can remember vividly seeing frankie for the first time and she was on a full-size hospital bed strangely and she was just this little tiny person and i just remember scooping her up in my arms sitting down on a chair and feeling the weight of her in my arms and closing my eyes and just thinking she's not dead mm. I can still feel her she's still here she's still with me gosh yes <sighs> yeah <clears throat> and then knowing that my my older children at the time i mean they picked them up from school and brought them over to the hospital um and i can remember walking down to when they'd been taken to the waiting room walking down to that room with the nurse who'd been taking care of me and thinking I don't know what to say I, mm. I I literally could not speak my words were just caught there were no words how how do I explain something like that to and I knew the innocence of my children would be taken away in that moment and she said she must have seen my struggle and she said, Do you want me to tell them? And I said, Yes. And I remember walking into the waiting room, opening the door and seeing my three children. And they were they were at the um, the water dispenser at the room. And I don't know what they were doing, they were messing around. And as soon as I walked into the room, all three of their faces turned and looked at me. And from their smiles to I don't know what I must have looked like all their faces dropped and to this day I think of that moment as the moment that their innocence was taken away their worlds were turned upside down their innocence of believing you know good things happen if you do the right things and all those kind of things that you tell your children that you work hard and and so
0: on and um yeah just yeah and it wasn't just you and Frankie, it you know, it was your other children, it was your family and just the ripples just spread so far and wide. Yeah, how that how that affects other people.
1: I I think autopilot or something kicks in as a parent and to be able to function, Mm. to be able to take care of my three other children, that's kind of what kept me going. And just think about what they need. And I would say, looking back on that time now, I weren't a fully functioning mum. In many ways, they lost their sister, but they also lost their mum, too, because, you know, although we would talk about things and go through the motions of what I knew that we should do to try and process this awful trauma, I still felt like if they were upset, it kind of heightened how I felt. Mm -hmm. So, It sort of got to the point where I guess in many ways I tried to avoid talking about those things so they lost their mum they lost their sister they lost their mum and I just went through the motions of functioning every single day and that was I often look back on that now and think how how difficult that must have been for them because it it was just me taking care of them you know it
0: must have been quite scary time for them yes so at what point did things sort of start to change a little bit for you? I think the first, the first year,
1: it, it's, it's just kind of fallen into a black hole, really. I mean, I can say that I had amazing support from my GP. Um, and he, I think I can say if it wasn't for him, I'm not. I'm not sure how to explain this, but I probably wouldn't be here today. I found it so hard. There was this. I mean, I was still breastfeeding Frankie. Mm. So to go from that closeness, when if you, you know, if you've had a child, you have that closeness with them, especially that that bonding that you have when when you're feeding them yourself. Um, it was almost like I had a pull to be with her. But I also wanted to be here for my three children who were still here. And if that means I I wanted to die, then no, I'm not quite sure that is what I wanted. I just wanted to be with her. I wanted to find her. And I remember my GP saying something to me because he was a Christian. I asked him, what what does he believe? Because I did lots of searching afterwards um, about what other people believed and what would feel comfortable for me to carry forward. And uh, he said, I remember him saying to me that he believed that, that time kind of stands still for, for people who've passed, who have died, and it's almost like in the blink of an eye that they turn around and then you're there with them. It gave me a little bit of peace to know that because I was so worried that she was on her own. I had an awful, awful feeling all the time that she was on her own, so I just mm. wanted to be with her, but I wanted to be there for my children. And that gave me the peace that I needed to know you know, that time was no time to her. Yes. But by the time it was my time, I would be there with her.
0: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I don't Gosh, know that that, I
0: it. mean, and actually that just makes me think of um, an author who wrote Tuesdays with Morrie, and he writes an awful lot about death and and the experiences, and in a sort of a spiritual way, but they beautiful stories yeah. that he tells, that what you said – that um, your GP said to you kind of really resonates with um, mm. with what this, with the sort of the style of writing from this author. Perfect. <clears throat> but how wonderful to have had a GP like yeah. that. That's I know. I mean, that's yeah, amazing. Know. And that was my family GP.
1: Who, you know, when you think about the NHS and how fabulous they. Are or they kind of were. I'm not so sure if something were to happen now. You know, I'd, I'd get that same level of care because he knew us through everything. My children growing up, so he did mm. know us all very, very well. So, but yeah, he he gave me that little bit of peace, and I held on to that, and I think that kept me going for that year. I remember my low point. Um, I remember being in bed and feeling as though I couldn't get out of bed. I didn't know how to survive. I didn't know how to put one foot in front of the other. I don't know. I just almost as though that year I was searching for things to keep me going, but I got to the point where I just didn't know what else to do. It felt as though I was trying like loss was some kind of um, linear thing that if I did this thing, um, I'd get through this stage and then the next thing and get through the next stage. But in reality, it's nothing like that at all. No, no. Nothing like that at all. So obviously I just felt as though I wasn't moving forward. And I can remember that one of the police officers gave me like a booklet or a handbook. And in that booklet was a leaflet for break road safety charity Mm. and I can remember seeing a helpline number on there and knowing I've got to do something and I rang the helpline number (laughs) the poor person on the other side other end of the phone I I can remember just saying to her "I, I don't know what to do I just don't know what to do but she was wonderful. She she kind of talked me through what they could do to help and to support me. And one of those things was they can find out um about some some counselling or some family support mm. in my local area. And she said to leave it with her and she'll get back to me. And she did do that. And I had some I had a wonderful counsellor from Road Victims Trust actually. And I think that person coming in to support me and my children was almost like that pivotal pivotal moment yeah. at that point. Um, I can remember the services available to them because of their different ages. There were different yeah. services available. There's limiting funding and resources. So to have that one person who could come to us so I didn't have to worry about getting me or them out to wherever that place may be where the, the support might be. It was yeah. somebody coming to us. So that was... Yeah, that was definitely the first first stage, I think, to start some sort of rebuilding life again. And I think also off the back of contacting break, I'd seen um, a, a charity event, I think mm. it was, to climb a mountain, to climb Mount Snowden to raise money for break and obviously by that point I'd had lots of conversations with break and heard all about what they do and everything else and I'd always had a real fear of heights and I thought maybe because I almost felt nothing that you know that heightened fear was no longer there Mm. maybe I could do this this charity thing this fundraising thing and and do this with my family and friends for Frankie and it might be quite a nice thing to do and I signed up to do that and uh that I think that that was the beginning of um definitely me finding out that um the fear of heights hadn't disappeared because halfway up that mountain I can remember crawling around on my hands and knees being absolutely petrified looking oh. around and afterwards our guide said to me I didn't think that you would get to the top um but I did I got to the top and it felt absolutely amazing so I pushed through that fear when yeah. it came back and I can remember reflecting on it afterwards and and kind of wondering you know that's that fear of heights so from from feeling nothing to suddenly feeling the most intense fear and sort of crawling about on my hands and knees and, and looking so ridiculous. So why did I have that fear of, you know, where was that fear coming from? And sort of reflecting back, I thought, well, that fear must mean that I have a fear of dying. And if I have a fear of dying, then that must mean, That I want to live. And it was that thought of, well, if I want to live, then then what else can I do? What else can I do to, you know, keep that 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 feeling going, if you like, to keep um, thinking about something positive and, and try and bring on some kind of from the nothingness to, you know, the the fear was obviously terrifying, but it was also a good thing because it meant there was something. That was the beginning of pushing those boundaries of of trying to find, you know, what's going to evoke some kind of emotion.
0: Wow, that yeah, just a, a pivotal a pivotal moment for you. That going from that place of just sort of numbness and I suppose shut down and just disconnected, perhaps from from life or from yourself or from your emotions Absolutely. to to suddenly you know this this onslaught of. Uh, of fear and and I guess perhaps the feeling of elation when you got to the top as well perhaps or 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 just relief that you'd got up there (laughs) definitely
1: and it also fit in with you know the emotions that I had I always said they were opposing emotions of equal Mm. intensity so also there was that 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 real heightened fear of 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 being up the mountain but also the elation and it just it felt exhilarating is yeah.
0: the only way to describe it and it was it was one it was awful but it was wonderful <laughs> yeah yeah brilliant I always think that there's a saying isn't there about in order to be able to experience great joy you have to have experienced great sorrow and the two come so that that's a perfect example of of that yeah so <laughs> was is, that then yeah. the beginning of your new love affair with with mountains?
1: That was definitely the catalyst. Um, So from climbing, um, if if you've got a good pair of walking boots and you can navigate, there's good paths up there. So So I then went on to do um, Scarfell Pike and then later on Ben Nevis. But I think also quite a pivotal moment um, on Snowdon was there was other people who did that climb um, in memory of loved ones they'd lost in road traffic collision and I met a very good friend on that mountain we didn't actually speak very much at the time but we kept in touch afterwards and we built a friendship a very supportive friendship actually Uh, and both of us found that we could talk to each other and share thoughts and feelings and emotions that potentially we couldn't share with people who were close to us so family because there's always the fear of not wanting to upset other people so I think that connection that we made um sort of built quite a strong strong friendship over the years we kept in touch over the years and together we went on and we did Scarfell and we did Ben Nevis and my youngest daughter did both of those mountains with me as well and um I said I was single throughout all of those years but then in 2017 i met my partner now pete who is also into the outdoors likes likes hiking and and climbing up mountains so that kind of um it expanded all of those things really i'd found somebody to get outdoors and we 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 did a lot of wild camping um and i think i had a, a lot of thoughts actually about how this seemed to be helping me this whole getting outdoors Mm. and um, so it's not just the climbing the mountains how exhilarating that can be you know we we went to places where we would wild camp at the top of a mountain and to see the sunset and the sunrise and just feel so privileged to be there and see that and experience that and I kind of come to think that this is me searching for for things that are constantly going to renew my appreciation for life yeah. And it, that's kind of where it all began, really, the, the, the getting outdoors and uh, challenging fear, stretching the elastic band. I always call it stretching an elastic band, because as soon as you feel that fear and you feel that tension, you know that it's the right thing to do. And each time you do it, it becomes a little bit easier. That elastic
0: band is a little bit easier to. Yes. Um, they say, isn't it, that the um, the magic occurs when you get outside your comfort zone. Definitely. I can definitely vouch for that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I also did a skydive. I mean, for somebody who has an intense fear of heights, I I did a skydive as well. So that's also a little bit crazy, really, when you think about
0: it. Were you a sort of an outdoorsy, adrenaline-seeking sort of person before this happened, before Frankie? No, I don't think
1: so. I think probably walking the dog and getting outdoors has always been quite important to me. And I also re- I also relate that to the way that I was brought up. So as a child, I spent a lot of time outdoors. So I can remember a lot of my summers being outdoors and playing, and it's just idyllic, really. And I guess that the getting outdoors reminds me of that. I can remember them buying me a tent and camping out in the garden. So it's almost like, getting in touch with the inner child yeah. and remembering what that adventure felt like and and that as soon as i say the word adventure it's
0: always like i feel quite alive that's wonderful that you've regained that sense of adventure again so where has this love of mountains taken you now i think initially i've i've
1: kind of always known that obviously in, in talking to my friend as well and, and knowing that w- we've always said, wouldn't it be lovely to be able to find some funding and set up a group to, not for us to support other people, but for other people to find the thing that we had, that friendship and 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 that support that we had in each other. And, and that kind of obviously set a little seed growing in the back of both of our minds, how lovely that would be to do at some point. Um, but then also... I kind of knew that it was difficult to hold down a job so you know trying to support my children um, and I actually lived in a rented house and um, I had to move several times um, unfortunately not long after Frankie died as well so having to pack up all of her things was really quite difficult Mm. Um, well before I was ready to do any of those things Um, but strangely we moved into how things worked out but we moved into a house in the middle of nowhere and that was also quite cathartic because it was on a um, on a on a farmyard an old farmyard so it was quite run down and all the garden needed doing and the inside needed clearing out and I can remember the first night staying in this house I think my children thought I was completely insane but I needed to move out of the town that we were living in too so almost like it happened for a reason really because there were too many triggers there was just Mm. too much noise to be around you know even the people as as much as they were so helpful and they were so supportive there was often conflict in support and advice which yeah you know as much as I love all of those people the friends and the family who were given that advice it also it it felt so noisy Mm. so to have that opportunity for a year to live outside of town and just have that quiet. And my my responsibilities were to, to get my children, to to drive my children to school, to work, um, whatever it was, and then to go back home and just have that peace. This place was literally in a field, in the middle of nowhere, and it was just wonderful. And I guess that also sort of grew that feeling of mm. the, the need to be outdoors, really. Um, and holding down, like I said, holding down a full-time job was just so difficult because of all these, it felt as though all these different things were pulling me in different directions. Like I said, the noise, um, it just made it so hard. And I tried lots of different things. I, I decided to go back to college and um, do some counseling training and everything seemed to make sense so the things that i was learning about in college i could kind of relate to within myself and it Mm -hmm. helped me as a person sort of on my journey to understand things a lot better and through doing that counseling i realized that i was also doing lots of avoidance really so although i was getting outdoors and doing these wonderful things with pete um hiking and so forth um there's lots that i was still avoiding so i um ended up having several months of emdr emdr is a way to help people to process trauma so it's it's using the left and the right side of the brain so for me personally because it was online it was tapping so it was tapping with my left and my right hand so i would think about the thing which was bringing up quite raw and traumatic memories and do the tapping and it helps you to process that trauma and as I went through this EMDR therapy, I was also doing my counselling training and getting outdoors and walking. And I can remember Pete and I did um, a mountain, which was, I can't remember which one it was now, but it was quite difficult. Um, and I can remember afterwards being super emotional. So, so putting one foot in front of the other and shutting everything out was how I dealt with the fear. Mm. And then I can remember getting down the other side and just crying and and talking about some things that I, I probably hadn't shared with anybody else, and um, doing the EMDR therapy made me start thinking. This kind of relates to walking, yeah. And this is why walking is helping me, because obviously, as you're walking, it's it's you put in your left foot, your right foot yeah, in front yeah. of the other, and it's it's that um, the, the same kind of concept, really, isn't it? And that again made me start thinking about maybe maybe the walking can help other people mm. and i remember stumbling across um, some funding It's from the say yes more grant and uh, sending it to my friend and saying i wonder if we put an application in whether you know we say if we we do a walking thing because both of us obviously really enjoy walking um whether we could set up some kind of project to potentially support other people which we did we got the funding unbelievably I just feel like such a I don't know just such a fraud really because who am I but yeah this 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 all happens, and we got the funding and um that actually that actual project we've we've we had to do uh Mountain training qualifications. So, our walking qualifications through mountain training, we went off and gained our mountain training qualifications uh, so that we could obviously lead groups outdoors. Um, So, we set up this project and it was for break and road peace actually. Um, And because they're national charities, they advertised Mm. it and uh, people signed up. I couldn't believe it, people are signing up for our project. Um, And I just had this feeling of, oh my goodness, if what we did for break all those years ago we could potentially with our friendship that we have now be doing this for other people but we we chose the lake district for the project and we had a a a 10 mile hike actually and that was at the beginning of September so we had lots of people sign up for that and they raised I think I don't know what the total amount is but they had uh, their own fundraising pages and I think there was over four thousand pounds that they've raised wow
0: Oh, fantastic. Very
1: lovely. But I think most importantly, listening, walking, and I feel quite privileged actually to have heard, you know, other people's stories, how they trusted me as we were walking along to share things with me. Mm. And thinking about how similar that that process is, that that trauma is of of losing somebody in such a traumatic way. So, you know, whether it's how somebody's lost somebody by road traffic collision or how they've been affected so say injury with road traffic collision it, it, all of those thoughts and those feelings are also very similar and to hear people share things which are so personal and so intense but then also to be able to say yeah me too mm. and I get
0: that it's so powerful so incredibly powerful wonderful so have you got other plans for another event
1: is Uh, I think I think the feedback is from from doing that one project everybody really enjoyed it I mean it was a beautiful walk thankfully we had fabulous weather for it as well so it it made it even more special but everybody says yeah they they would love to do Mm. something else and it's 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 quite thought-provoking as well because you know some people want a huge challenge they want to climb a mountain but this to us felt like we wanted to do something that felt quite social. We didn't want to have a huge, great, big group because you, you're going to lose that closeness. So, yes. I hope and I think that it worked quite well. So everybody says the same thing; it, it, they really enjoyed it and they'd like to do something else with it. So we'll see. We'll see what.
0: What's yeah. Oh well, I mean that's just a, a fantastic thing to have been able to have done to to help those people, and I'm sure you will go on to do other walks or or projects and is similar to that that will bring people together because as you say it's not just about the getting outdoors and being in that it's the it's creating that environment where people can share feel feel at ease to to share their experiences
1: and and no pressure to do that as well I think i yeah. say what felt important was nobody felt that that's why they were there you know to, mm. to walk next Somebody side by side, and to know that somebody had shared, been through something similar, is also
0: enough. There yes. is no pressure to share. <clears throat> so, out of all of this, what do you think have been the the biggest lessons that that now guide and define your life going forward? I think everything will pass. Mm. You know, the good
1: and the bad. Everything will pass. So. know as as difficult or as raw as things can feel sometimes it it will always pass and i think most importantly is to take care of yourself to make sure that you eat well you sleep well and you take some sort of exercise and as as much as sometimes even that can feel too much to Mm -hmm. kind of praise yourself to to remind yourself that sometimes just getting out of bed in the morning can be so incredibly difficult. Uh, not to be hard on yourself, um, not to compare to, mm-hmm. I mean, for me personally, it was not to compare who I used to be to the person that I am now. I mean, I could never have imagined that, you know, I I would face my fears. So even just talking to you about something so personal, I felt so long trying to keep everything to myself and and not wanting to share this wondering you know what what are people going to think about me um and to you know to get outdoors and do the walking i mean that's been the catalyst for me to then set up an adventure business and to t- take people out hiking and and just do things which are things that make me happy so it's not about being selfish it's about prioritizing that taking care of yourself is about self-care and when you think about um when you think about maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm. and you think about your basic needs need to be met and it's so true think about taking care of those basic needs when obviously he believed that you needed to fulfill those needs complete before you moved on to the higher level but you do you need to make sure that you eat you need to make sure that you have shelter and obviously all of those yeah. things for quite some years were just so difficult before i could then progress and and you know onto the next level if
0: you like i don't yes remember. it's so i remember yeah. learning about that um, maslow's hierarchy of needs gosh many years ago when i did my degree and uh, you know you've I kind of understood it on a on an intellectual level, but I would say it's only been in recent years that I actually fully understand the need to look to to get those basic needs in place and that you can't possibly move on to those higher ones if you haven't fulfilled and if you're if you're not secure in those in those lower absolutely. needs, absolutely.
1: And that that I think that, that is the word. If you if you're not secure, if you don't feel secure, it's, it's, mm. it's
0: safety, isn't
1: it? It's knowing that yes. those needs being met before you can then progress onto the next ones. So you've got air, water, shelter, sleep, clothing. So that's physiological. F- physiological, and then you've got the safety needs and love and belonging, esteem. And obviously when you get up to self-actualization. And I think for me, um, where I'm going with the counselling, counselling to me feels, uh, because of the walking, I couldn't imagine doing anything any better than being outdoors. So thinking about um, once I qualify as a counsellor, doing walk and talk therapy, um, that's kind of where all of this is going for me with my outdoor qualification Mm. my counseling training and and again it's it's kind of hopefully to to help support other people that have experienced some kind of trauma I mean that that clinical it feels quite clinical when you think about counseling the traditional sense where you're in a room but that this kind of feels so very different it's quite freeing to be outdoors so I guess when we're talking about the lessons learned it's it's about doing the thing that takes care of you and not comparing yourself to other people
0: yeah and I guess as you say doing the things doing the thing that is right for you and not necessarily just slotting in because somebody else thinks that you should be doing it this way or that way that that it's this is what somebody believes you should be doing yeah. yeah gosh it's really been quite a journey hasn't it Yeah, because it has been
1: such a journey Mm. to think about those moments where just getting out of bed just felt so difficult. And looking at my life now, I mean, I know my life isn't perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. And I've made an awful lot of mistakes. But I can definitely say in choosing to do the things which make me happy i feel quite content and fulfilled knowing that potentially this could sort of have a ripple effect and and help other people yeah
0: absolutely you're going to be a wonderful support to to people in being able to offer these sort of walk and talk style therapy counseling sessions but thank oh. you so much for coming and talking on you know it, it's I, it, it's such a, a difficult topic but one that needs does need talking about I just really admire your courage in showing your vulnerability as well in that Thank because it, it is very easy to say oh no that that's too scary I don't I don't want to share my story because I don't know what emotions it's going to bring in what what will people think of me so i I really um, applaud and are, and are grateful for your, for your courage in, in sharing your vulnerability and your experiences. Thank you. This conversation with Sarah really moved me, but out of the depths of the tragedy and sadness, the joy and excitement of being alive has emerged even stronger. If you have been impacted by a road traffic collision, please check out BREAK, that's brak And if emotions have come up for you, then please reach out for support too. You're not alone. Thank you to Sarah for having the courage to share her story, to Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music, and finally, thanks to you for listening. I'll be back in two weeks' time with another Lesson from Loss.